and the last word with Matt Cooper. And so to the Rugby World Cup final and I'm delighted to preview it that we're joined by our favourite Kiwi Brent Pope by Paul Wallace and by first Matt Williams because Matt I have to start with you with the South African selection the man who hates the idea of the South African bomb squad so much who has been consistently saying it on this programme since it was used the 7-1 split on the bench in the friendly before the World Cup where South Africa demolished New Zealand and they've gone and done it for the final tomorrow night does this mean that for that reason you badly want to see the All Blacks win what, what a terrible state of affairs Matthew that I want to see the All Blacks triumph in a World Cup final look I, I admire the rugby intellect of so much of what the South African coaches have done with finding these loopholes in the laws and exploiting them to their extent to their advantage, and I, I honestly do think it's really, really smart on their behalf. I think it is exceptionally dangerous for the rest of the game for safety reasons lower down in the game, and I really don't like the way that they just have taken the scrum to bludgeon their way to win games when they have so much talent across their team. They are an incredibly talented side, and they could choose to play a different way. What they have said very, very clearly by picking a 7-1 bench with no scrum half, I might add, is that they are going to scrummage for penalties and try and bash their way to win a World Cup and lift the William Webb Ellis Trophy. It, is, it, it has great dangers. Any cards to their back line or injuries to their scrum half after clerk, they are in real danger because they have no one on their bench. So do I admire the intellect? Yes. Is it good for the game of rugby? as a whole, and will it make for a great spectacle? Absolutely not. Paul Wallace, would you share Matt's concerns? Uh, the difference between forwards and backs. Um, <laughs> as a forward, you, you, you look at the rules and you try and push them as much as you can, and uh, I think that's what South Africa are doing. Um, it's, it's not their fault that they have the freedom to do this. Uh, I also think it's, you know, professional players now can just adjust into so many different positions. Uh, Cheslin Colby, He'd be very dangerous, number nine, if he went in there as well with his uh, fleet of foot and his footwork. Um, so, yeah, look, South Africa know how to beat New Zealand. They've done it on many occasions throughout the years, and it's always been physical domination. And that's the way they're going to go about it. There's no point in them trying to play the New Zealand brand of rugby. And unlike playing against Ireland, I think New Zealand, who were probably trying to slow the game down and control it into a set piece, They'll want to speed the game up against South Africa. Um, so the shoes on the other foot for them, unlike against Ireland. Um, and South Africa know what they've got to do. It's a very simple game, but it's, uh, you know, if a bus is going to run over you, <laughs> there's not much they can do about it. And it's all about how the, the All Black Pack can, can stand up to it for the full 80 minutes, and especially 10, 15 minutes into the second half when the bomb squad come on. Um, and a lot will come down, I think, to Wayne Barnes' uh, interpretation well, especially in the, in the and scrum. And I'll get back to the refereeing importance in a moment, but for you, Brent Pope, what is the reaction in New Zealand to this 7-1 selection? Is it fear based on what happened in the pre-World Cup warm-up game in Twickenham, which South Africa won by such a big amount? Or is there a bit of, well, there were other circumstances that day. Scott Barrett got sent off, so it was 14 men for the All Blacks for a large part. Also, uh, sin binning as well, that that distorted the reality of the benefit of having a new pack, essentially, for most of the second half? 
Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really good reading of it, Matt. I think that at the end of the day, New Zealand have to look at and take the learnings out of that game. They've got to look back. If they have any chance in this final, they've got to look back and say, OK, it's how we beat them at Eden Park is how we want to play. I think they were strangled for the ball, and it was a timely kick up the rear for the All Blacks in that game at Twickenham, actually, because I think they've got... Learned from that. They've got a couple of their props back. They'll have 15 men on the field, so they know about discipline. They'll also have to say that we've got the momentum, that South Africa had a tough journey through uh, these pool stages and the semifinals and the quarter. So are they lacking a bit of energy? I'm not sure about that. That'll be decided on on Sunday night. But I agree with, 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 with Matt and Paul to a certain degree. I agree with the fact that they're taking a huge risk. Look, you take your chances in this in this game, and Erasmus has set out a stall that he's going to, as I say, try to play a physical game, ultra-physical game. That worked for the second half in Eden Park, and it worked for the game in Twickenham. That's the risk you take. If there's an injury, as Matt said, to Faf de Klerk in particular, they don't have another specialist halfback on the bench, and that is a huge risk. It's also a huge risk to get a scrum half to play 80 minutes in a hugely attritional game. In fact, the Kirk's a type of player that doesn't back off the defensive duties, so he could run out of legs, run out of energy. That's the risk they take. I was talking to John Robbie earlier today, and he said that actually Williamson could come into the into the midfield and they could put Quagga Smith on the wing or something. But at this level, it's a risk. I think I agree with, with Paul in the sense that we've seen what both teams have to do. New Zealand have to try to speed up the game. That might not be easy because the weather will have something to say about that. And also the South Africans are going to try to, as we say, just slow it down and they're going to try to win the arm wrestle. So New Zealand have to play it a different way than South Africa. So who will prevail? We don't know, obviously, but... Uh, I'm saying New Zealand simply because I think that they've learned from Twickenham. I think that they've got a little bit more energy in the legs. And I think actually if they get off to a good start, that could be the winning and losing the game. Conversely, you could go to South Africa and say, look, if South Africa get all the ball, <coughs> deny New Zealand any ball, it doesn't matter if you have players like Will Jordan or Richie Mowing. If they can't play, they can't play. Matt Williams, back to you though. And is there a danger though for New Zealand that they actually haven't shown as yet that they have what it takes to win this tournament, that they've only had one big win, and that was the win against Ireland. And for all the criticism that has been made of Ireland here about our failure to get past the quarterfinal, it was just the holding up of Roland Kelleher over the line with the ball, which stopped Ireland from winning that game, knocking out New Zealand. They lost by 14 points to France. They haven't had a tough match in the rest of the tournament. Is there a danger that we might be overestimating their capabilities to win this game tomorrow night? Great question, Matt. I could say the same for South Africa. Lost to Ireland and except for a very poor refereeing decision in the quarterfinal, not the semifinal, the last decision in the quarterfinal where Quagga Smith was awarded a penalty and... uh, uh, Pollard so magnificently kicked it from halfway, but we all know that that was an error, and the penalty should have gone the other way, and South Africa should have been knocked out. But the difficulty with this World Cup was whoever won those quarterfinals, as in Ireland's side of the pool, Ireland versus uh, New Zealand and South Africa versus France, whoever won that was going to make the final. We all said it, and they have. So quite often, Matt, in the history of the World Cup, the best team has not won. And Australia has won the World Cup. They were not the best team. When England won in 2003, they were not the best team at the World Cup. 
So you don't have to be the best team at the World Cup. You've just got to be the best team on the day. And I, I really, um, I agree with what, Brent, with what Brent said. South Africa have gone to the world three times emotionally. Can they recover? South Africa put all their, their eggs into one basket. That's the scrum basket. And they have kicked, um, South Africa, that is, have kicked religiously through this tournament. New Zealand are the best counter-attacking team in the world. We know that. So they, they, your argument that have they been the best so far is definitely true. Now, here is the motivation for the New Zealand side. It's almost a mirror image of the South Africans. The New Zealanders have been pilloried in their own home. Their coach and their captain have, have copped abuse that no one should cop. They have been written off by everyone around the world. South Africa, on the other hand, have a cult-like status at home. Their coach and their captain are adored. And they're coming into this World Cup with very different motivations. I, I can tell you from my experience, Matt, a really angry Kiwi is a really tough opponent. And they, they've only got to be good for 80 minutes. Yeah, but sorry, so Mark, I, I, but I, I, could it be, sorry, that they actually built themselves up for the Ireland game? Bizarre as it might be to say it, that that almost became their focus to win that game. That's where psychologically they would be placed. And bizarre as it might seem, that it might be more difficult for them to get themselves up again for the final? Or is that a little bit too extreme a suggestion? No, it's, it's not, Matt, but I think that New Zealand have benefited from having an easy game against Argentina. World Cup history shows that the team, after a very big emotional performance the next week, quite often fails mm. or, or that plays poorly. And they had an easy run against Argentina. We, we could see the same for South Africa. South Africa really went to the well against, um, against France. They were lucky to get away with a win against a very poor English side. So I think New Zealand have had that time to recover. The question, I think, is more on the South Africa side. Can they do it three times in a row where New Zealand have had a week off because of the, uh, the poor quality of the New Zealand semi-final, of the uh, Argentinian opposition in the semi-final? But Brent Pope, I'll go back to you in relation to South Africa. And yes, they've had tight wins and they've had controversial perhaps penalty decisions working in their favour in both the quarterfinal and semi-final. But is there not a resilience about the South African team which suggests that when they go again tomorrow night, they'll go again, no matter how tired they may be? And then, of course, the replacement bench means the issue of tiredness may not be perhaps what it would be for other teams. Well, I agree with Matt on this one because, I mean, how do you describe resilience? Yes, they have been amazing resilience because they're two games that they probably could have lost. As, as I said, based on the last decisions in the last two minutes, those games could have been gone the either way and it could have either been France or England in, in, in this final. But they didn't and they got through on the day and they probably, you probably say, based on that, they deserve it. But the resilience that'll come from New Zealand is going back over a period of time and saying, "Look, who's who?" It's like when Ireland play England. You don't have to you don't have to get players up for those matches because it's the old foe. New Zealand will look back and say, "Okay, we got spanked by by this South African side back in Twickenham. We need to have learnt, and they have." We need to put up a better performance they have. They won't go into this match not being emotionally charged. Forget about that. Because as Matt said, the, the team has been vilified up to uh, about a year ago after the Test Series lost uh, one by Ireland. They wanted most, most of the, half the population wanted to get rid of Ian Foster and their captain. So they can bring all these things to bear to get charged for the game. <coughs> My thoughts of it that it could come down to something as simple as if it's raining, 
and you can't get the ball out wide and New Zealand can't play at pace, that will have a huge bearing on this match because it'll allow the South Africans to go back into an arm wrestle type of game and that will that will play into their into their fortunes. But, you know, I just think again, like Matt, getting South Africa to go to the well despite it being a final, despite them having the country behind them, despite them having a well-loved captain and all that, it's just the energy goes out of your legs. For Faf de Klerk to be still going at 80 minutes in a key position, I wonder about that. What if they bring the bomb squad on? The bomb squad don't actually work against the New Zealand props who weren't playing that Twickenham game. Lomax went off with a gash. He's their tight head guy. He's their, he's their guy that made such a difference in their Irish match. Frizzell wasn't playing. He brings a bit of bulk to it. Barrett was off after about, what, 30 minutes in the game, red carded or whatever. So there's a lot that can go in New Zealand's favour as well. It's not just about the South Africans, whether they can get up for it. Of course they'll be up for it. It's a World Cup final. But New Zealand is also going to be expected to be up for it. And, you know, just based on, on energy alone and momentum and those things, and as Matt said, the last game, we can only look that far for, to a form guide. If you're looking at the horse race, you'd say that New Zealand will go into this final as slight favourites, and I'd agree with that. Okay, Paul Wallace, before I take a break, I want to come to you, though, because uh, you've already mentioned Wayne Barnes. I'm looking at the weather forecast for Paris, and it looks like it will be raining tomorrow night. It could be that we'll have scrums. We saw one previous match that even when South Africa marked the ball within their own 22, Willems opted for the scrum rather than to kick. You wouldn't put it past the South Africans to start deliberately dropping balls so as to force scrums, even for the All Blacks, that they might think they could win. So tell us about the way Wayne Barnes referees the scrums, because I know in particular Ireland were quite upset about the way that he did so against New Zealand. Yeah, I think uh, he goes into a lot of games with preconceptions. Um, for me, Lomax was boring across straight away. Uh, Porter came in, chased him. It should have been three penalties to Ireland. Um, instead, it was three penalties to New Zealand. Uh, and then there was a drop scrum later on, uh, which he did nothing about. Which basically would have turned a, a 10-10 to a 14-7 penalty split. Which um, And for me, like, I think it should be a lot more late than fair. Leave the props, just get on with it. If it's not... Uh, I know Mass has been quite vocal about how scrums have been uh, dictating how games go. Well, why do you have to come in and penalise every little binding infringement or driving infringement? You know, they're all big boys in there and they let them, if it's not dangerous, play, the, the rules should be actually relaxed and, and, and taken back and just let them get on with it. And get it, you, if you can get an advantage, get an advantage. But coming back to Wayne Barnes, I think he live a preconception that South Africa are the stronger scrum. And that will, uh, New Zealand, I think, are going to suffer because of that if they really go at them in that area. Uh, He's a very good uh, referee, Wayne Burns. I thought he was excellent outside of those scrummaging uh, decisions. Um, But uh, the other thing is at at the breakdown, where he really needs a a real fight go on, a real scrap for the ball. And I think that will suit South Africa. New Zealand in this game will be wanting to speed up the, the rock time and uh, if it comes into a real uh, trench warfare at the breakdown and slow ball coming back, it'll slow things down and, you know, you're talking about the, the legs of Safter Clark and some of the other backs, you know, getting through the whole game. Well, if it's kept at a slow tempo, well, that will suit uh, South Africa all day long. Okay, I need to take a break. We'll come back and get the predictions. That's after this quick break. Welcome back. Brent Pope, Matt Williams and Paul Wallace are still with us. Uh, We've been previewing the Rugby World Cup final. And um, Paul Wallace, I'll start with you. Overall, what sort of Rugby World Cup do you think has it been? 
well, I, I think we all knew from the start it was so lopsided that there was going to be some classic games um, and some not-so-classic games. For me, the top four teams, um, we have the two finalists, uh, France and Ireland, there was nothing more in it than maybe a refereeing decision. And if all four teams played again, it would probably be the same. Uh, so you, you, you build your luck. And uh, I thought there was quarter-finals. We were blessed to see two of the greatest games of rugby in the World Cup that I think I've ever seen back to back. Semi-finals were disappointing, um, but at least it showed that England, you know, weren't that far off on their day. Um, but there seems to be a gap now appearing between the top four uh, and the next level. You know, it's it, 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 tier one countries are nearly down to four at this stage. But of course, that will turn. I that the World Cup cycle, there'll be other teams growing, like the Wales are beginning to strengthen a bit. You know, Scotland are, are, are coming forward as well um, but for me probably the highlights was the likes of Portugal and how they performed mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just uh, they need to keep the momentum going and get more access for these teams on a regular basis playing against the Tier 1 teams Matt Williams what sort of World Cup has it been for you and please include Australia in that Sadly, <laughs> well, I have to Matt um, I've I, I, endorse everything Paul just said, especially the, the performance of the Portuguese I thought was so refreshing. There were some just wonderful days and some awful days. For me, the scrummaging penalties that have, have had a real domination on the outcomes of games is wrong. It, we shouldn't have just one. I'm, I'm all for scrums. I don't want scrums to go away. They are the best attacking platform in the game and unfortunately we're not attacking from them. We are getting penalties from them. That needs to be addressed so that we have an even balance between forward play and back play. The second part is, Matt, the, the countries that stuck with their coaches for the four-year cycle, like New Zealand, Ireland, France and South Africa, have been the successful teams. If you look at Australia, Wales and England, they dumped their coaches halfway through, brought in new staff. All the changes were just too close to the World Cup and they failed. Uh, and, and the dismal failure of Australia shows you how quickly you can go from a world champion and world class to not even making the quarterfinals. And that is all about how you manage that team during the World Cup. So there's a lot of really strong lessons there. I, I love the fact that we have the, the minnows at the World Cup. I love the fact that they, they get the, their day against the big teams. So I've got no problems with that. But I do want to see the game be refereed and, and the laws to be more fair so that backs can play a, a significant part in the game, and that is not the case at the moment. Brent Pope, how has the World Cup been for you? Bearing in mind as well the disappointment that we felt here in Ireland about it ending yet again for us at the quarterfinal stage. Yeah, but I think you've got to have a look at, 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 a, at a bigger picture, and I agree with both the guys. I think we've got to we've got to the best four teams, uh, albeit the wrong way around. And they've obviously looked at the draw again. I mean, that was when we first saw that we 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 saw the pools of death, and we we figured that you know that Ireland and France would possibly, hopefully, make one of those uh, part of the finals, and then maybe South Africa, New Zealand. So, I think. Consistency-wise, those top four teams did well. I think then we dropped back to the next tier, which is one-off performances like England against South Africa showed they still had something in the locker. Scotland probably produced one decent game. And then we go back into the highlights of, of, of teams like Fiji or whatever, or Samoa that put up 
and maybe one or two good performances, and then obviously everybody's uh, star and everybody's talking about is the Portuguese. Not not in the manner of not in the manner of they went about their task, but in the manner of that they were so consistently good. You could expect any minnow to have one good moment in sun in the sun in the sense that they play one good game, but they play consistently well for the for all their four games or their pool matches, and then to get the win against a what's regarded as, a, as probably a tier one nation or tier one type tier two against Fiji and just the interview afterwards just said they said where did you get the energy from and the guy just reached his Portuguese jersey and he just said all from the heart and I thought that was a wonderful moment for, for, for me at the World Cup but I think that overall I, I agree with Paul we saw fantastic matches I was over there for those uh, quarterfinal matches and they were I believe some of the best matches that I've ever seen in any, in any game in any World Cup and hopefully the final will match up to those quarterfinals I just think we lost our way in the semi-final stages when they should have been the semi-finals as we all know but look they're going to put that to bed those same seedings won't happen after the last World Cup uh, and it was grossly unfair on some teams that have moved up and down that rank to, to, to be okay. to have the top five teams in the world all on one side of the draw so that was a mistake but other than that no I really enjoyed it okay in a word winner tomorrow night Brent call it All Blacks by seven by seven Paul Ebony to that to have an absolute storm of physical domination South Africa to win by a couple of points. Okay, although he'd only be on for about 45 minutes before the second <laughs> rows would be replaced by the Munster men, John Klein and R.G. Snyman. Uh, your call, Matt. I, I, I am in a very bad place, Matt. It's the first time in my life. I really, I really want New Zealand to win. Maybe I'm, Thanks, maybe I'm on your team. But I, uh, I, I think I'm... I, unfortunately, I think Paul's right. I... I especially with the wet weather that's forecast. If it's a dry night, I think it's a different kettle of fish. But look, this is still going to be a cigarette paper between these sides and you can go either way. Okay, we leave it there. Thank you all very much. Matt Williams, Brent Pope and Paul Wallace. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.